Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Rowinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah. This is Vicky Spreadbury from Cambridgeshire in the UK. And for discussion more dazzling than Stan Wawrinka's French Open winning shorts, you are, of course, listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and thank you to Vicky Spreadbury in Cambridgeshire. Lovely intro there from Vicky. Uh, she's a long-time backer and supporter of the podcast. So thank you very much, Vicky, uh, for your support and for the um, time and effort and diligence that's gone into that intro. This week's weekly pet mascot is the lovely, lovely Bentley. He's a 19-week-old Hungarian Vizsla. He is the nephew of last year's tennis podcast mascot, Butler, and we'll be telling you more about Bentley at the end of the show. David David very politely said, Catherine, should we do just a little bit on Bentley at the start and leave your big sort of monologue about Bentley to the end because uh, uh, people actually tune into this thing for, for tennis chats sometimes. <laughs> She's oh, she's seen right through me, Matt. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> less and less do they tune in for tennis chat. <laughs> um, in in hopes of achieving even more tennis chat this week uh, than in our last show, uh, Billie Jean has started <laughs> the recording in the pen um, in order that interruptions are kept to a minimum. I, I, and I was a bit taken aback when I found out she was in a pen and then Catherine described the, the circumstances of the pen to me and they sound a lot better than I was expecting. In fact, if that's, I want to move in. Yeah, I could nap in the pen, yeah. put it that way. I could happily take a nap in the pen. It's great in there. I mean, she, she would far rather be involved in the tennis podcast recording. But I think um, as much as we had some lovely messages about last <laughs> last week's show, I think we'll, uh, we'll let everybody off um, the poo-related interruptions <laughs> for, for at least a week, shall we? You heard that, Billie Jean? Yeah, yeah good girl. Thursdays um, can be poo-related. <laughs> So, um, oh God, she's crying. <laughs> I shouldn't have said her name. Uh, just put up with a little bit of whining in the background. She knows she's being talked about, you see. Um, right, your big plan to get into the tennis chat earlier earlier than last week, David, has, has been foiled. Marginally successful. Three minutes, we're in. How are we doing, folks? I feel like that's an important question. 
at the moment. We've all got to ask ourselves and one another how we're doing, aren't we? I mean, obviously, broadly, the answer is badly because, <laughs> you know, the world is in the toilet. Um, but in the context of uh, that, how are we doing? All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm delighted that tennis is back. I have to say, I, I, I have felt a little bit like Matt on a first day of a Grand Slam the last few days. Particularly have today, you? Yeah, particularly today with the Australian Open qualifying properly underway. Trying to follow that. I mean, I think in it depends where you are in the world as to where you can watch it, whether you watch it on a TV channel or whether you watch it streamed through the Australian Open website. But, I mean, you know, you go on the Australian Open website here and there's just – 20 odd courts to to try to keep across and they don't actually tell you who's on each one until you click on them and the the window opens up and then on yeah it's like a big surprise isn't it yeah (laughs) who's going to be who's going to be in the box and then then you've got you've got abu dhabi uh tournament you've got uh delray beach in the evenings there's so much going on and this is before we even get to melbourne one two and three with different names on them that we found out about the other day yes more of that later folks uh, I've been I've been chastised by my father and multiple people uh, on the internet for not being well versed enough in Gippsland. Yeah, uh, but there will be a Gippsland se- section of the podcast to compensate <laughs> later on today. And how's Matt? Uh, sh- yes, how's Matt? I'm fine, thank you. Yes, I'm I'm also enjoying having tennis back. It's it's provided some real structure to my days, which I needed. I've been watching mainly Abu Dhabi and enjoying that a lot and yeah it's weird because normally the start of the season has so much momentum behind it I'm I'm very aware that in two or three days time it's all going to stop again and we're going to be left tennisless for a couple of weeks but we have some exciting plans to fill those weeks so I think we'll get through them and then knowing that the Australian Open is not too far away is uh is very helpful indeed Yes, more of those excite more on those exciting plans later. We're doing a lot of, or I'm doing we a lot are. of <laughs> teases, aren't I? Yeah, I didn't intend for that, but there we are. This is worth tune in. It's worth teasing, though. Stay on, all right? I promise, I promise you, the Gippsland chat <laughs> might not be worth staying on for, although it will be, obviously. God, I've I've annoyed I've annoyed Gippsland residents again already. Um, the Gibson chat's going to be great. Hang in there for that. And the uh, chat about what's coming in the next two weeks. Uh, I promise that will be good as well. But let's start in Abu Dhabi. That's what that's what I've watched, watched the most of as well. Um, watched a fair bit of Abu Dhabi, actually, and really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think the the level of tennis has been has been really good actually by and large as as you commented david uh in our last pod after having watched just um just a day or so of it the most notable thing is that that muscle memory about closing out matches seems to be a little bit absent in some players um not maria sakari but uh pretty much every other player this morning we've just seen sakari get the better of australian open champion sophia kennan billy jean and i um, was snoozing through that because <laughs> um, I thought that match was on a little bit later than it turned out it was actually on. Can somebody fill me in on what happened? Well, Matt watched most of that, didn't you, Matt? Now, when I tuned in, um, Sophia Kennan had got off to a flyer and next thing I know it was over. Tell us about it. I tuned in at 6-2 all and Maria Sakkari won the next 10 games in a row. 
to close out the match, finishing it with a six love set. And I didn't see the Kenin Azarenka six love, six love last year. But I kind of feel like with this match, I know now how that Rome match went. Because <laughs> obviously this, ma- this match turned mid-match, whereas that one was kind of a disaster from the start for Kenin in Rome. But suddenly Kenin couldn't find the court. Um, Zachary was asked in her press conference whether those last two sets were two of the best sets she's ever played. And she said, I played well. I was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't my absolute best by any means. I, I certainly was helped by my opponent. Um, it is curious how that can happen to Kenin because she's she's so methodical and she earns everything. You don't, you, I don't think of her as a player who necessarily will get thrashed a lot, but she, she can have these sudden periods where she really struggles. Um, probably, probably don't need to read too much into it because... I mean, the last time she did this, she then reached the French Open final in her very next tournament. If anyone's got experience of recovering from a match like this, it is Kenin. Um, but on the other hand, Zachary continues to impress. She'd already beaten Muguruza, Goff and Potapova, I think, without even dropping a set. Um, and she is, seems to have really taken some steps. I loved the phrase she used to describe her tennis she said she felt like certain parts of her game were asleep and now they've woken up and I think she was really talking about more aggression she's hitting the ball so big so powerfully and she's she kind of reminds me of Kerber a few seasons ago where she came out at the start of the new season looking better than ever and Zachary is looking like that to me. Mm. Has she improved her serve? Yes I would say so I I went Mm. back and looked at her stats on serve last year, and she's kind of in the top 10 for aces and first serve points one, that kind of thing. She has always had a good serve, but it's really noticeable how many aces she's hitting, especially I think she's in double figures the last couple of matches and really does seem to have improved. Yeah, I I would say Mm. so. In terms of Kenin, I I watched all of her match yesterday against uh, Yulia Putin-Seva, um, and there were there were patches in that where she was really struggling to find find her range. Uh, it looked sort of quite 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 worrying. Again, sort of like the dimensions of, of the tennis court weren't quite programmed into her mind correctly, and possibly she was let off the let off the hook a little bit by Putin saver. One of the uh, the running themes throughout the two matches were consternation from her opponents about her father's behaviour. What, what is her dad doing? Because I mean, there's a there is a screenshot of Maria Sakkari looking like she's shushing him at the end with the finger to the the lips, as if to say, "There you go, shut up, mate." Now I don't know whether that's what was going on, but he he does appear to wind people up, and I wonder what it is that he's actually doing. I think he's doing what Billy Jean's doing right now, which is just making a whole lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for which I apologise, folks. <laughs> Talking um, during the points, I think, was really? what Zachary was getting a bit annoyed at. Wow. Yeah, well, what P- Putin Saver asked the umpire during the match yesterday uh, whether Kenin could request to her father that he speaks in English rather than Russian <laughs> so that the umpire would be able to monitor what he's saying or whether it was whether it counts as encouragement or coaching 
So we had this long train where sort of Putin Saver goes to the umpire and say, can you ask her to ask him to speak in English, please? And then she she does. And and actually, Kenan took that on the chin better than I'd have thought. She seems to be so used to <laughs> her dad um, being a, a figure of um, uh, of irritation, shall we say, um, that she kind of sh- shrugs it off now. But he 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 winds people up for sure. And now I, th- I get the impression it's at the stage where players, teams are, are walking onto court, sort of keeping an eye on him. Yeah. Umpires as well. They're you know they are very conscious of what's going on in her corner. Is he going to come and sit uncomfortably close to me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm also mindful that she is a big deal now. She's won the Australian Open. She's reached the French Open final. She's also getting under the skin of opponents by being bloody good and beating everybody and getting results that maybe they think that they should be getting and things like Mm. that. So I think that's a big part of it. I think a lot of players look at Kenin and think, I could be that. Yeah. I, I am mindful that I don't want this to turn into some sort of bullying. Not that I'm not saying it is that. I'm not saying it's uh, that they may well have a, a, a perfectly fair gripe there. But I do feel that Kenin sometimes. I mean, you know, she's changed her management company. She's. I think she's almost ripe for being slightly separate and slightly isolated from the group. And not not wanting to just get along with everybody, not worrying about that, just wanting to beat them all because that's what she regards tennis as as a sport. So that that's something I want to keep an eye on. I mean, two things: I, I don't understand how somebody who seems that good when she's under massive pressure and match point down, like she was against Putin Saver, loses ten games in a row against Sakari today. I don't really understand. I'm trying to work out how do you go from one to the other of being this mm. incredibly big moment player and then seemingly just capitulating um and the other thing just on Sakari, she does feel like one of those players that's had this in her over over the period and with her physique and her athleticism and yet there's there's a voice in her head talking her out of it talking her out of being what she could become and maybe she's just found a way to quieten that voice down and just take charge of it you know and she is going to be fascinating over the next few weeks mm. yeah absolutely um she will play sabalenka in the semi-finals tomorrow sabalenka is um doing what she does which is having a really great week at a time when um the tennis tour will inevitably stop her momentum <laughs> ahead of a grand slam um but only for two weeks of course so maybe maybe this is the time for sabalenka maybe i should do what i did two years ago and predict that she'll win everything it's going to be fascinating that to see how many people get convinced of this being the moment because i could very much imagine that two years ago this is the run that would have made me go all in and now i have real doubts in my mind she has at least managed to carry on the momentum she had from the end mm. of last season into this season. Uh, I think she's now on a 13-match winning streak when you take it all into account. Um, wh- what I would say on her is she's played... I've not seen a lot of her matches this week. They've been on really early here. But she's she's played quite similar opponents, I thought. She's played Jabur and she's played Rabatkina, who are both similarly aggressive. I mean, obviously, Jabur's got a lot a lot in her game, but... 
mainly she's an aggressive player. And I, I do wonder whether Sakari might be able to extract a few more errors out of Sabalenka, make it not a pure hitting contest, because when it does become one of those, Sabalenka is fearsome mm. so that's, that's going to be a very interesting match isn't yeah it? I really think so um mm. ju- just on sorry just on Kenin did you did you see that strange thing that happened on Twitter this week no you could be talking about any number of things there Matt <laughs> that is a a broad church of a question <laughs> well she tweeted about her new Motorola uh, oh yeah sponsorship partnership and said I'm 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 delighted to be using a Motorola and, uh, you know, on Twitter, it says, what device you've sent your tweet from? It said, uh, <laughs> Twitter for iPhone. <laughs> oh. Which, which she, uh, then, she then deleted that one and put up another one with a, you know, sent from Motorola or, or whatever it was, Android. Um, yeah, I thought that was quite amusing. <laughs> that is great, isn't it? That must be, I mean, surely that's happening all the time. Oh, yeah. If if anyone wants to send us Motorola's, that would be fine. I did drop my phone uh, on the floor this week. It's got a crack across the screen that's annoying me. Um, this is breaking news. It has news, got a really folks. rugged cover on it, which protects it usually from um, from the many tumbles that it takes. It's already survived the toilet. Yes, it has. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it survived this. It's just going to be a constant source of irritation in my life. Um <laughs> for the period up until I can be bothered to buy a new phone. Um, so, yes, that is Kenin. Just uh, before uh, you mentioned Ons Jabeur there, David's been speaking to Ons Jabeur. We've got a, a really nice um, little interview with her in just a moment. But but just finally on sort of results from Abu Dhabi, Carolina Pliskova, it was four days ago that we were saying, God, it's going to be really interesting to see how Karolina Pliskova gets on early in the season and her teaming up with Sasha Bajin. Um, it's not going well so far. No, she lost to somebody whose name I've already forgotten. <laughs> Gasanova. Yes, okay. I don't. I, I can't remember her first name, but it's a lot like Casanova. It's Casanova <laughs> with a G. That's uh, how I'm uh, remembering I, it. But I, I, none of us had ever heard of well, it was Casanova. Six two six four, wasn't it? Oh no, Matt. Hang on. Oh no, I hadn't. No, <laughs> no <Yeah>. right. <laughs> Anastasia, Anastasia Gasanova from Russia, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's. About as much as I can tell you, other than she's 21 years of age, ranked 292 in the world, and in qualifying, she beat Mona Bartel of Germany. Um, six, is, two, is, six, she, four. is she your femme du jour for 2021, Matt? No, but we will get there. Um, yes, more I, of that later, <laughs> another tease for you. I think she was even able to enter the qualifying in Abu Dhabi because so many players have gone to play the Australian Open qualifying. So a lot of the people in the Abu Dhabi qualifying were ranked lower than you would normally expect. So she kind of took advantage of that opportunity to even get in the draw. And when she won, the WTA put up that it was her first ever top 100 win, which, you know, is a slightly strange way of describing Pliskova, who's obviously a top 10 (laughs) player. But... um, that is true. She, she had never beaten anyone close to Pliskova's calibre. Um, it, it's early for Pliskova. Perhaps she's 
you know, perhaps she's taking a different approach and not peaking just before the slams this year. You know, <laughs> normally she starts the season brilliantly, doesn't she? I think she's won Brisbane if, multiple if times. If that's the plan, it is she being is executed it. to perfection. Imagine that conversation. <laughs> Sasha just goes, look, right, Carolina, just be rubbish this week. Right? Um, don't choke, don't, don't sort of tank, but just be rubbish generally and then be brilliant at the Australian Open. There's my advice. <laughs> I'm going to be... Very eagle-eyed, both for myself and for all of us and everyone that we uh, we take on in uh, in the Australian Open predictions about what we all do with Pliskova. It's in always those a problem section, isn't it? It's a problem section. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we don't need to make Pliskova-based predictions just yet. Let's hear from Ons Jabur, shall we? Uh, she's such a great talker, such an interesting uh, woman. And David caught up with her uh, just uh, ahead, just on the eve of the tournament in Abu Dhabi and uh, started off asking her about her off-season. T- tell us what your off-season has been like this year compared to, to previous years. Uh, a different one. I uh, I was home uh, a lot this year. I uh, I went to such an amazing place uh, back in Tunisia, uh, with the amazing uh, actually weather and uh, working with the whole team. So um, the I think the amount of of work that I put in this year was much much more than uh, than uh, the previous years. Uh, I'm proud of the way I handled my preseason. Um, I feel like my body is getting used to this hard work and uh, and um, to be honest, reacting much better. Uh, before I used to do uh, the least effort and I, I, I get injured, but now I feel like my body is, is reacting really well and I'm super proud of of myself and the, the hard work I put in. Um, especially now I think differently. I think that I need this type of work to, to achieve my goals. And to be honest, I uh, cannot wait to start uh, playing the tournament here in uh, in Abu Dhabi. What changed, Ons, to make you realize that you needed to work differently, harder? Well, I'm, I've made a lot of mistakes. I, I listen to my body. I, uh, I listen to myself. I try to understand much more what I, what I want to and what I want to achieve. Um, before I used to like, uh, just listen to whoever is talking to me and just go and play. Now I feel like I'm, I'm more focused with myself, which helped me a lot to be, uh, to be a different, uh, player. Cause after all, I'm, I'm by myself on the court, you know, I'm the one who's making the shots. I'm the one who, who's trying to, um, to to like uh change the mood if i'm angry i try to to be um more relaxed on the court i um now also i have the team that i always wanted to have besides me the team that listens to me that wants the best for me so this this was really important for me i often think about this when i watch you play tennis as well because you have so many shots you can do so many things how do you package that into a a formula that can win every time you play or at least as many times as you play is that be is that a challenge for you it, w- it was a big challenge because I, before, like I said, I didn't understand. I had so many like shots and sometimes it was kind of hard to, to just take the decision and, and do a drop shot or just hit the ball, you know? But now I understand more with the stats. I, I, I read much better the game. I understand more myself. So I know what shot I choose, um, which was more easier for me. Plus my coaches helped me a lot to actually have a, a certain like tactic on the court. Uh, 
and you know I, I like to surprise players I like to like um, do a different shot every time I think which has helped me uh, to, to like be a different player and uh, sometimes you don't know how, how to play against me which I like and it's in my advantage and you had a fantastic year last year obviously disrupted by the pandemic and the, and the, the stop the halt of tennis but you had the great start to the year in Australia, quarterfinals there, lots of other quarterfinals as well, big big match wins. But what do you feel is going to be the next step for you to go beyond those quarterfinals and, and reach some of those goals that you've set for yourself? Um, honestly, I'm going to use the experience I've learned. Um, all the quarterfinals I did in 2020 will will probably help me to go further this year. Um, you know, with the I had a really good start of the year, and uh, after I mean the COVID was not easy for for everybody, but I still keep uh, I'm, I'm still positive on the on the court and outside the court. I, I always t- still try to uh, to check what's going on and what did I do wrong uh, in the other matches um pretty sure i uh i, I know exactly what i've been missing in the in you know the, the quarterfinals that i lost i try to improve my my fitness to be more ready to go to go further in uh, in tournaments but i'm i feel like I, i'm ready uh, i'm ready to win titles in 2021 really uh, what what do you feel you're capable of if if you play to your best to be honest, that's my goal. That's my goal to to win a uh, to win titles in uh, in 2021. I know I have the level two. I know I I know I have more patience now to do that. Um, I know my ranking could be could be better uh, this year. Uh, it's not an easy uh, mission, but I, I know it's not impossible. How do you handle bubble life, Holmes? It's it's tough, <laughs> but we are we are getting used to it. Uh, I'm trying to um, to enjoy my time outside the bubble t- to be ready and uh, take a deep breath and and go into this this bubble life. Um, I mean, sometimes I you know I we we keep busy. Usually, I'm not the type of player who goes out a lot uh, for dinner. I'm usually lazy and want to stay with the room service. But you know, when now you know you don't have the freedom, you know everything changes in your in your mind. Uh, but it's okay. I mean, uh, it's the bubble life for everybody, and um, I think I uh, I kind of got used to it. What are your expectations for the logistics of Australia? Getting there, the quarantine. How comfortable are you with what what you've heard about it all? Well, it's very strict, but I understand um, they want to pr- protect their country, and uh, um, they kind of doing really well with the with the COVID right now. So uh, I understand this, but I mean it's for everybody. Like I said, uh, I'm gonna be ready to um, to like use those two weeks to be ready for uh, for the tournament. Um, it's it's not gonna be easy, obviously, but I mean um, I'm gonna be uh, ready and uh, hopefully try to um, to start uh, in Australia much better than last year. Well, if you do much better than last year, you'll be doing really well because <laughs> you're already a quarterfinalist. I was looking at your, your Twitter bio uh, and profile and it says the words yeah. dreamer, wife, daughter, sister, crazy about football. Yep. In what way are you a, a dreamer? Uh, I dream to uh, to be number one. I dream to be a Grand Slam uh, champion. Uh, I dream to make history. Uh, I dream to inspire a lot of uh, Arab women, a lot of women in this world. So uh, yeah, that's that's my dream. I'm a dreamer since I was a kid. And um, for me 
to achieve your goal, it always starts with a dream. <laughs> sure. I've, I've seen some of your football tricks as well. Um, did, yeah, I love football so much. <laughs> did you ever consider football as an alternative career? Honestly, I wanted to play football before, but uh, you know, I had to, you know, choose either tennis or uh, or football. But I had this crazy idea that I should start, um, you know, just like um, not a very professional league, but play like a few matches per year with my tennis career, so I can like enjoy and and do. Because football, I I really really love football. Like sometimes even more than tennis. Well, that's great, and we, I've seen you do your your warm ups before. Um before your tennis matches just as a final point you mentioned how you feel about being an Arab woman with with all the achievements uh, that you've had and and the pride that gives you um j- just give us an idea of of, of that pride and, and how you feel honestly it's an it's an honor for me to represent a great nation um i know um there's not a lot, a lot of arab women in uh, in tennis but i i still try to inspire and um give the example hopefully i uh, i give a good example i give a good image and um you know nothing is impossible hopefully i can in- inspire m- many more uh, other arab women and um it's it's such an honor for me to represent them oh, it's a really nice interview she's super cool She's super cool on Shabbat. I love, <clears throat> I love that she, she embraces and invites the pressure and what some would consider the burden of representing not only herself but also women and Arab women. You know, we we talked about it a few episodes ago, didn't we? Touching upon Billie Jean King and the Battle of the Sexes and how Margaret Court had played her own Battle of the Sexes and said, "I'm not representing women. I'm just." representing me and Billie Jean King had embraced and taken on the mantle of saying yes I will I'm playing for women everywhere Um, and you know there's there's not been that much of that in tennis over the years in 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 women's tennis it's 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 an increasingly individualistic sport and pursuit and somebody standing up and proudly proudly standing for something more than herself um is oh it's it's wonderful i I love hearing from her that was really um really nice she is i i really enjoyed speaking to her she there was no hurrying along or making you Mm. feel like she hadn't got time or anything like that um and i was i was in a line of interviews i mean i was the last one of of a few and um and she handled mine in the same way as everybody else's with with just a great attitude but i think also it, it strikes me how much psychology is involved in this sport and, and I mentioned Sakari earlier somebody who's got all these skills and and weapons but can she get out of her own way can she find whatever it is in her mind that will allow her to play her best now you mentioned Jabir there and I remember Nick Kyrgios back in Australia when the, the bushfires were going on he he dis, he'd worked out in his mind that he was playing for the people suffering and not everybody can do that. Not everybody can carry that around with them, that sort of other uh, responsibility. But, yeah, she is, yeah, one of the coolest people I've spoken to in tennis, I would say. Mm. And it, I think it would be just fantastic for tennis if she does achieve some of those goals and dreams way, that you know, she was listing there. 
there was a difference about her to mm. what I was expecting, not just in my interview, but in the press conference she carried out. I remember last year we were talking about her and how much we love watching her play and all these things she can do. And I went very strong and said, I don't ever expect to be saying that Onstjaber is in the mix for a Grand Slam tournament. Oh, the mix. In your lifetime, I think yeah. were your words, David. Yeah, and, and I, <laughs> she made me feel differently by talking to her. Now that... I just feel that there's, there's such determination in her to mm. maximise and fulfil her potential and to realise her potential. And she believes her potential is top 10 and winning titles. She was so specific about winning titles. And I, and I now that, as I say, can go two ways. That could either be the pressure that makes it hard for her to relax and play her best tennis, or it could be the driving force that makes her win as opposed to just playing well. Matt, Angebeur in the mix to be in the mix? (laughs) (laughs) A sub-mix. Oh, my goodness. Um, Sort of gateway mix. (laughs) I love even that, though, that she lays out her goals, you know, Mm. very openly and concretely. And, I mean, I understand why players don't do that. But I love it when they do. Top 10 and titles, that to me feels very achievable for her. Yeah, and and, and it's uh, it's a marker of confidence, isn't I it? I think that, so. That a player's prepared to lay out their goals because you're saying, I'm, I'm prepared for you to, to judge me by this yardstick. I'm prepared for you to know if I don't achieve my goals. I, I often think when players are unprepared to, that comes from sort of a place of, a place of fear, a very understandable place of fear. Um, but... But yeah, that that interview made me excited about Anshabur and what might be coming from her. I mean, what's coming now is two weeks of <laughs> two weeks of sitting in a hotel room. Do we know who she is teamed up with? No. In the quarantine I, bubble, I have learned Ooh. one more. Oh yes, hit me. Uh, Rebekina and Andrescu. Oh. Which is pretty great, I think. Yeah. I you know yeah. just you saying Andrescu as yeah. being. Yeah a tennis player that we now can think about again is a very exciting prospect. Mm. We, uh, in fact, we do know more than that, don't we? Because we've also had the news this week that there's going to be a separate quarantine for what Craig Tidy has described as the top, the top men's and top women's players in Adelaide. Um, and that is going to be linked to an exhibition to be played by those top players. Now, um, it's going to be the the top three players in the world on the men's side, Djokovic, Nadal and Dominic Team. And on the women's side, the top three players would be um, Ash Barty, uh, Naomi Osaka and Simona Halep. Um, but of course, Ash Barty doesn't need quarantine because she's already uh, in Australia. So um, it'll obviously be the next top-ranked player in the world. So if it, oh no, sorry, it's going to be Serena Williams. <laughs> um, yeah, so it'll be Simona Halep, Serena Williams, and Naomi Osaka uh, quarantining in Australia, uh, in in Adelaide rather, and playing in this. Uh, 
exhibition over there. Now, there are reports, and Jeremy Shardy has spoken out quite strongly about this, as reported by uh, Simon Briggs in The Telegraph. There are reports that the quarantine situation in that mini bubble in Adelaide will be rather more favourable than those uh, quarantining in Melbourne. The hotel's going to be nicer. The restrictions in terms of the amount of time they're allowed out of the hotel to train uh, and the facilities that they have, gym in the hotel, etc., are are significantly uh, preferential to those available in Melbourne. Um, and there are also reports that the entourage allowed to travel with the players will be expanded to four uh, per player, whereas in uh, in the Melbourne bubble, each player is restricted to have only having only a team of two. Um, I asked Sophia Kennan about this yesterday, um, and she she wasn't she wasn't being drawn on it. She said, "You know, I'm just focusing on myself, and quarantine's going to be hard, but you know, I just have to accept it." Um, but I can tell you, if I was Sophia Kennan, <laughs> I would be stomping my feet about it. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be happy if if it if it had been billed as the as th- three of the biggest named players in the world, men's and women's, rather than the top three. Would you have been okay about it then? Because <sighs> I mean, Serena o- Williams is the biggest name. Slightly more okay about it. Look, I mean, I I just feel like there's a slight deception going on um, in terms of why this is happening. I suspect that. Some of this group of players have said, I'm unprepared to, I won't travel to the Australian Open unless I can bring my family or my team and physio, etc. with me, um, unless I can have access to a gym in the hotel. Um, And because of the star power um, and the significance of those names, the Australian Open, Tennis Australia, the they've wanted to make that happen and i i understand that i understand why they want to make it possible to have the biggest names play at their tournament i want that as well um and i also understand that you know t- tennis is never a level playing field sport isn't a level level playing field there are haves and there are haves and have nots and of course the most successful richest players in the world have access to things that those less successful don't. Um, and I would be more okay with it if we, if that was just sort of being being said, but maybe it, maybe it can't be said. I just I just I, I don't quite buy this whole well that we that there were too many people quarantining in Melbourne, so we we needed to create an extra quarantine space elsewhere to accommodate you know these 50 more people well if if those people quarantining in in melbourne it wouldn't be 50 people it would be a lot fewer because the entourages would be smaller i just can't believe that sort of 20 people out of you know more than 1500 which is the number of people that will be coming in for the australian open is is what's tipped this tipped it over to the edge into needing an, an yeah, auxiliary an auxiliary say, quarantine space it, i dare say it's um it's a bit of all all of these things. The, 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 I mean, there clearly are pressures because of that hotel that has now no longer made itself available to them um, because of the issues they had with the residents there. Um, but I think that 
in trying to find a space for a few more people, they have recognised an opportunity, certainly. And and Adelaide have said, if we run an exhibition, we'll, you know, you get these players here, we'll we'll accommodate them. So I'm sure there is some of that. Um, the other thing is, Craig Tiley did say to Tennis Channel that the quarantine rules are not different. I mean, whilst the the hotel might be of a different level, um, the players still have to stay five hours a day uh, or can only have five hours a day outside of their, their hotel room. So what Jeremy Chardy is saying, Craig Tiley very much refutes. But if you have access to a gym within the quarantine time in the hotel that is quite a different kettle of fish isn't it as i said that is not none of this is absolutely confirmed and and the entourage size that is also quite a the entourage size seems to be quite a significant difference to me when you think of the sacrifices that some some people will be will be making and also in terms of you know the leg up that 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 gives people you know there's a lot of people that have become very used to and rely on traveling with a physio, their own personal physio that, that won't be able to do that. Um, and you could say these, these plays, you know, with their success have, have earned this preferential treatment, but I wonder what Andy Murray thinks about it. That, that's the, bo- the bit that would bother me if I were a player. It's, it's not just about what you physically earned and, and made available to yourself to hire people. It's just if the rules are different, then that's a problem as far as I'm concerned in terms of the number of people you're allowed to have. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see how that comes out. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll wait and see what happens in Adelaide. I also I, I do think there's an element of when Craig Tiley was speaking, he talked about Adelaide have just built this brand new stadium, haven't they? And it's cost tens of millions, and the uh, the South Australia government have put put a lot of put a lot of funds into that. And um, you know, we know how significant the 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 governments in Australia are in terms of supporting supporting tennis. And I do think there's a kind of you know we need to give them a a boost after what they've invested in this stadium and um being able to lay on that exhibition is uh is certainly a boost so i i i get all of it as i say i just feel like or i get most of it but um but yeah we'll see we'll see what ends up being the uh, the situation in adelaide um in terms of australian open qualifying that's got underway men's in doha women's in dubai um there's only been a couple of days of matches nothing particularly major to report so far other than i would just like to touch upon a, a an article i read uh, on the bbc tennis website by russell fuller about a british player called francesca jones um, who is ranked 241 in the world. She's 20 years old and she is playing uh, the qualifying, um, the Women's Australian Open qualifying in Dubai. She's actually just scored a victory over Monica Nicolescu, the David Law of women's tennis, uh, in the opening round of qualifying, which is, she's a tricky customer, Nicolescu, for an inexperienced player. That's that's quite a win, I'd say, even if Nicolescu obviously isn't quite at the ranking heights that she once has been at. Um, but Francesca Jones is quite extraordinary. She was born with three fingers and a thumb on each hand, three toes on her right foot, four toes on her left. Um, this is her first um, overseas Grand Slam qualifying draw. 
Um, the condition is called, and please, please bear with me here, ectrodactyl ectrodermal dysplasia syndrome. Um, and it's a rare gen- genetic condition which often affects the fingers and toes and often requires uh, adaptive surgery. Um, I think she's had a, a number of surgeries um, over the course of her over the course of her life so far. Um, she was she was told that she'd never be able to play tennis. She sounds like one of these Andy Murray type people that um, gets all her fuel from being told the things that she can't and won't ever be able to do, which I just love. But um, yeah, she also came through the Sanchez Casal Academy, um, just like Andy Murray did. She went there at the age of 10. Um, which is extraordinary. She says, when someone does say to you at eight or nine years old that you can't do something, I suppose most people would be heartbroken, but I just tried to take it on the chin and see how I could prove that person wrong. Um, She plays with a light racket and a really small grip, it says in this uh, BBC article. And she says in the gym, she works hard on balance and technique. Her feet do not always move the way other feet do, so she has to be precise to avoid injury, which appeals to her perfectionist instincts. Um, I think it's just extraordinary. Yeah. An extraordinary story. Great story and really fascinated to watch her progress. But as you say, already um, a notable win. Good for her. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll keep you posted on uh, other notable events in Australian Open qualifying. Uh, Over in Delray Beach, they are at the quarterfinal stage. Cam Norrie's in the quarterfinal there. He plays Francis Tiafo. Sebastian Corder also in the lineup. The uh, the young American son, of course, of Peter Corder. John Isner is in the quarterfinal lineup, and Christian Harrison. Uh, won the Battle of the Christians, beat the top seed there, Christian Garin. Um, he also had a flag put on uh, one of his Instagram posts, did Christian Harrison, uh, for being Trump-esque in its uh, misleading and unverified claims. He also so, put a uh, hashtag on one of his posts saying, um, defund the media, uh, which uh, oh, was... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, younger brother of um, Ryan Harrison should say. I mean, just presumably. I mean, so he, he put that out via social media. Y- yes, <laughs> um, but um, right. putting all that aside, just tennis-wise. I mean, this he he's just had his eighth surgery over the last year. Um, he, I mean, the guy's gone through it physically. Incredible amount of setbacks, and younger brother of Ryan. Um, and uh, yeah, this was. I, mean, I think in the final round of qualifying, he won in the final set tie break. Um, so it's a big deal for him to have have had these wins and and you know be be a good player like Christian Garin. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. In Antalya, the semi-final lineup is set. It is Alexander Bublik. Unclear whether he's been snapped up for uh, <laughs> for a training partnership uh, during quarantine. We'll try and get to the bottom of that. Uh, it's Alexander Bublik against Jeremy Shardy and David Goffin against Alex Dominor. Um Those are two quite nice, interesting matchups for their for their semi-finals. We can't watch it, but. Um, we do. We have had verification that it is happening. This tennis <laughs> is happening. People are seeing it. The results are real. In fact, I think Dimonor has already beaten Goffin now. Um, if I'm right, has he? No, no, has he? he just beat Basilashvili. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. 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 We're, this is up to date as of now. I mean, it won't be up to date when most of you are listening to this. He might he, when if if you're listening and he has just beaten David Goffin, then uh, then ignore everything I've just said. When, when have I ever um, been up to date? Eh? <laughs> so that's what's happening in uh, events this week. There have been a few other bits and bobs of news. Uh, we have had the news that Alexander Zverev and David Ferrer have ended their coaching partnership, or rather, it seems like David Ferrer has ended the coaching partner he in partnership. He was the one to announce it. Uh, he told Punto de Break. Am I pronouncing that right, Matt? Yeah, break point. Yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, he said, I told Sasha that we were not going to go forward next season. It was not for anything special. Absolutely nothing has happened between us. Everything is good. I appreciate the opportunity he gave me to travel with him during this period. During these months, we had a good collaboration. Everything was perfect. Perfect. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, that's three very big names from the tennis world, former players that David Ferrer has had in his corner, sorry, that Alexander Zverev has had in his corner in the last four years. Um, Juan Carlos Ferrero, former world number one, Ivan Lendl, former world number one and coach of Andy Murray, to Grand Slam title success, and now David Ferrer, and they were both talking, particularly Zverev, incredibly positively about the collaboration late last year. So, you know, it doesn't 
in terms of trying to build something in continuity uh, as a tennis player and as a force, I don't, I don't think it bodes well to be having all these changes. Mm. This was a very different statement to the ones we've seen in the past. I, I know that Ferrero and Zverev, we heard about an argument they had at the Australian Open and Ferrero gave very some very public comments about Zverev's punctuality and things like that. And Zverev had a little pop at Lendl saying he was spending too much time playing golf and with his dog. And Lendl said that Zverev had some off-court problems. So this is quite different sounding anyway, publicly, but the pattern is the same. It's, mm. it's a short relationship with a, with a high profile coach. Um, it's obviously, it's not a great time to be associated with Zverev, given the allegations against him and his handling of those allegations, which we've talked about. But I think more than anything, it's it's a difficult environment as a coach to go into, given Zverev being so close to his family and then so involved in his tennis. And, you know, we've seen it with Wozniacki, didn't we? She had so many coaches, but none of them, none of them really stuck. And it was her father who who ended up staying there the whole time and it worked for her. She she achieved pretty much all of her goals, I would think, in tennis. So it, it, it can work. But if if that doesn't change, I, I struggle to see how how bringing on more coaches is, is going to work more successfully in the future. It, it just feels like this is probably just going to keep happening if it's happened three times already. Mm. Might also make it hard to attract, harder to attract mm other coaches. Um, we've also had the news that Diania Stremska, a young uh, Ukrainian player, has been provisionally suspended after testing positive for mesterolone metabolite. Um, it's an anabolic agent. She tested positive on November the 24th after providing a urine sample uh, to the uh to the uh the doping control people she was informed of the outcome uh, by the ITF of course um she was charged with the anti-doping violation on December 22nd and her provisional ban came into force on January the 7th she under we understand that she chose not to challenge the provisional suspension um, but she has said, quote, I firmly state that I have never used any performance enhancing drugs or any prohibited substances. I am astonished and under shock, particularly given that two weeks prior to this test, on the 9th of November 2020, I tested ne negative at the WTA events in Linz. After this last tournament of the year, I stopped practicing to rest prior to the start of the new season. Only a very low concentration of mesterolone metabolite was detected in my urine. Given that low concentration and given my negative test two weeks earlier, I have received scientific advice that the result, of, the result is consistent with some form of contamination event. Besides, I have been informed that this substance is meant for use as medication by men and that women are not advised to use it due to the adverse effects it causes. So, yeah. Slightly odd statement from Yastremska, but she does, she loves an odd statement, doesn't she? Um, oh, does anyone yes. want to come in on that? <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, it is an odd, it is an odd statement. Um, and it's one of a number of odd things she's done and said in public over the last year, um, at least as far as I can see, um, mm. as to the case itself. 
Nice new turn of phrase we've got, though. Billie Jean is partial to a contamination event as well. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, unclear whether she will have to miss the Australian Open. It depends when her hearing date is. Of course, you get the provisional suspension um, whilst you await your hearing date. Um, we're not sure when that will be. But as it stands at the moment, doesn't look like she'll be able to play the Australian Open. But I'm a bit confused uh, why she's chosen not to challenge the provisional suspension. But mm, anyway. Um, so... Other bits and bobs to wrap up uh, before we take this show off the road. Uh, Matt, who is your fam do 2021? The people are on the edge of their seats. Yes, well, you did say it didn't have to be a fam. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, whoever it is, I will keep calling them your fam do 2021, <laughs> just for my own amusement, regardless of their gender. But I must say, it is a fam. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> I did actually consider Sebastian Corder. I, I, I watched some of him in Delray Beach. I think he's got game. I like watching him play. I think that's an important factor in this. I need to enjoy watching them play if I'm going to invest How much do you enjoy watching Kuzmova play? Well, as I said, I'm, I'm learning from that experience. <laughs> <laughs> we should also say Matt is the first person who ever introduced the name uh, eager at the time Swiatek and now Sviantek as we now know it to be to my attention I'd never mm. heard of her really until Matt mentioned it also Thanks, a, a very early that. adopter of uh, Carlos Alcaraz yes I considered him but we've already talked about him so yes also is it, so is this going to be a complete unknown no it's not it's not to okay. be fair um it's okay. actually it's, it's probably a bit early to go on Alcaraz <laughs> isn't he he might be a 2022er anyway so I'm spinning this out <laughs> x-factor I, I style so much... I so much thought you were about to say it's a bit too early to go on alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's past mid midday. Um, come on, Matt. Okay. Who's it to be? Well, it is Marta Kostiuk. Oh, this is the ultimate recency bias. Oh. You've literally just watched her win. She was six love, one love down moments before we started this podcast. And I had prepared. When, he went, when it became apparent to him that this is the woman. I'd already decided. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> Were, would you, did you have a backup? Corda. Sara Taribes Torba. <laughs> it, it is a little bit recency bias, but. The match which most sticks in my mind with her is when she played Osaka at the US Open last year. Really good round three match. Um, she's obviously most known for reaching round three, I think it was, of the Australian Open as a 15-year-old. She was the youngest player since Hingis to get that far in Melbourne. That was 2018. But she's she's struggled a bit since then. And she's given an interview just now on the WTA website talking about how crippling those expectations were for her when she was so young. And she really, she said she went through a period of depression trying to live up to her own younger self in a way. She found that really difficult to handle, but she's let go of that now and she's in a much better place. She's a really interesting talker. She played Sue Wei Shea the other day and was talking about how much fun it was to play her. I said, I even did a tweener. You know, she, she, she was just loving that match. And uh, most people don't like playing Shea, but she seemed to embrace that. Um, but mainly 
mainly, as I said, she's a fun player to watch. No two points are quite the same with her. I watched pretty much all this match today against Sara Cerebes Tormo and she's so proactive and she kind of reminds me a bit of Benchik, the way she hits the ball, very smooth ground strokes. She likes to come forward. Uh, she's currently ranked 99, so there's plenty of room for up, upward trajectory, which is all we're really looking for. Um, so she's she's my new Kozmova, someone to keep an eye on this year and enjoy watching play. And as I said, that match against the Saka at the US Open last year, she really showed what she's capable of. So more of that, please. And now Sold. she's into the semi-finals in Abu Dhabi already. So it's already going well. So you see, Matt's helped. <laughs> um, actually, have you noticed as well, Catherine, the way he's picked somebody who's ranked around 100? So mm-hmm. from she'd have to like, not do so well for it he to be... He also just slipped in there. There's room for upward trajectory, which is all we're really looking for. Yep. So if she yeah. ends the year 98 in the world, you're going to claim that that was an accurate pick. I'm like Ons Jabur. I'm laying out my, my goals for you all to judge me by. <laughs> right then. there we. I mean, I'm sold. I'm sold on Marta Kostjuk. Um, other bits and bobs uh, to wrap up. Uh, we have Kyle Edmund out of the Australian Open uh, due to an ongoing knee injury. I have heard reports that he had surgery on that knee. Not quite sure. It's 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 something which has been troubling him for a, for a while. Um it's just another disappointment heaped on, frankly, what's been a couple of years of, of disappointments for Carl Edmund, a really, really challenging period of his of his career. So uh, it's a bad news for him. Uh, we, of course, have uh, residents of Gippsland everywhere who are owed uh, an apology and a, heart- a wholehearted thank you for setting me straight. Gippsland, Gippsland, Gippsland. Um, my my dad said he couldn't believe I didn't know about Gippsland. Uh, of course, they. my parents spent a couple of years living in Australia and apparently it's all you hear about when you live in Australia, Gippsland. Um, we've had people, we've, had, photos we've had people send photos. It looks lovely. It does. It lo- I mean, what I would give to be in Gippsland right now, you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> if I could, and now you get to watch the tournament. Now, except the tournament isn't actually no, in Gippsland. No, it's not there, David. Oh, it's no. in Melbourne. It's in, it's inspired. It's brought to you by Gippsland. Yes. Yeah, it's inspired by. Yeah. Uh, so at least we know about it now because of that. It, yeah, and it turns out they have a thriving tennis podcast community. Yes, <laughs> all, yeah. all of whom are mortally offended now. <laughs> uh, but I hope I hope I've made up for that somewhat. Yeah. Uh, so Gippsland, thank you and congratulations on being great and lovely. Uh, we have we don't have much time for this, but we have people who have been sending in their uh, their wishes, their 2021 tennis wishes. Do that on Monday. Do that on Monday. Okay, wishes can wait. It's Monday today. Do it on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are so on top of it all. So on top of it all. Yeah, we got another we got another tennis podcast t- coming to you on Thursday, which will wrap up. Um, the week's tennis that we've seen look ahead to um, well two weeks of quarantine <laughs> we'll do quarantine predictions we will hopefully have more news of uh, of partnerships coming away and uh, as discussed we'll be doing 
our tennis predictions and wishes for 2021. Um, after that, of course, there will be a two-week hiatus of tennis while the tennis world quarantines and while we go back to a state of despair. Um, but you needn't go back to a state of despair, dear listener, because um, we have got something pretty big in the bag to bring you uh, for those two weeks. Well, certainly for week one. Uh, which is an interview with Billy Jean King, the human. <laughs> yeah, Correct. I don't know what to say about it. I did the interview. I did it. Uh, I did it this week, and I'll say something um, about it. Yeah, I, I don't feel like words can do it justice. I still haven't quite processed the experience. Uh, no, uh, well, I mean, you say, "What are we going to do? We're going to be in despair for two weeks." No, we're not. I'm just going to listen to this interview a few times. Um, it, it, I mean, it just—I thought it was going to be amazing that we got, when we would get the chance to speak to to Billie Jean and uh, and Catherine's the one that got that opportunity, and it is wonderful and inspiring and illuminating, and I found out so much that I didn't know about and. We asked for an hour. We got nearly three, <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, yeah, it was just the it was just the best the best experience I think any of us could imagine. So um, yeah, we'll package that up, and we're going to bring to you Billie Jean King week uh, the week after next. And so we, well, I'm sure you'll enjoy it just as much as we have. Yes, and folks, Billie Jean did meet Billie Jean, and. Uh... I won't say too much about it, but it was the, yeah, the earth moved. <laughs> um, so that's next week, Billie Jean King week. We've got one more podcast about live tennis to bring you before then. Then it's Billie Jean King week. Then it is Australian Open relived week. Da, da, da. Uh, and then tennis resumes again with uh, the Gippsland Cup held in Melbourne and various other cups and trophies and opens Classics. named after places that they're not held in which we're all very excited about um so that's it for uh for your first podcast of the week except that this is the little portion of the show where i get to talk about animals and david can't uh do faces at me saying we need to be talking about tennis now uh bentley <laughs> is our weekly mascot uh he is brought to you by lovely russell and brad uh two of our most loyal uh supporters over the years hello russell hello brad hello bentley we've been sent some pictures of bentley i mean he's a 19 week old puppy he's an absolute joy um i mean knowing what i do about puppies i'm sure he's not a hundred percent of the time a joy but uh yeah she can hear you you know <laughs> russell said bentley is potty trained and there's hope for billy jean oh the words i was so hoping to hear <laughs> could could you could you go back to russell and get a time scale on that on that potty training please um yeah so hello bentley uh, hello, Russell and Brad, and thank you for being our weekly mascot. We'll have more of Bentley in our newsletter. Uh, Rogue is David's mascot. They've been having some uh, Twitter interaction this Rogue. week. Rogue. Yep. Zeus, Rogue's looking, Zeus Rogue is looks mine. Really cool, actually, Once I again, I'll remind you, King of the Gods. And Scousel Mousel, ready to be back in the limelight with Matt. <laughs> yes. Although Scousel Mousel's got to share that limelight with Marta Costume now. <laughs> yeah. And maybe Already Sebastian Corder, depending on an how he does. An early blow for Scousel Mousel. 
Yeah. At least Gasol Mouse has delivered for the last two years, and so we you know we utterly trust Gasol Mouse. Yes, uh, Chris Albert no offense, Lee Martin. is our executive producer, and as discussed uh, previously, top bloke. Top, yeah. top bloke Chris Albert Lee so thank you for your support 100%. and we have shout outs Matt take it away we do for Matt Collins hi Matt relative of Danielle <laughs> related to our Matt no, that's no. not how that works, works David, David. <laughs> <laughs> hello Matt hi Matt Kate McCulloch oh Scottish hi Kate has to be so at least at least some ancestry. <laughs> We've I been would through say. this before. I have no more information than you do about these names. Honestly, you'd expect some background, <laughs> wouldn't you? Anyway, Kate, Hello, thank Kate. you so much for your support. Thank you. And finally, to Nuni Tal. Oh, Nuni. So same first name as so Carter Nuni, the umpire. <laughs> we it, In, uh, you're trying to. <laughs> Draw an, yeah, an inspired I'm to, by. I'm trying to do a tennis. Trying to bring it back to tennis, David. How do you spell Carter Nooney? I think it's N O U N I. Yeah, no, this is not that. <laughs> oh, oh well. N U N I. Okay, so I prefer Anuni anyway. T A L. Oh, Nooney Tal. That could be a famous Nooney. person name. Yeah, mm. well, it could be. Mm. Now, well, is famous now. Hello, yeah. Nooney. Oh, yeah. Thanks ever so much. Yes. Uh, hello, Nooney. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and yeah, that's it. I've got nothing else. Uh, so we'll be back on Thursday with more tennis podcasts. Thanks for listening. Matt, David, thank you. Ons Jabur, thank you. That was cracking. And we'll see you on Thursday. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.